Hello and welcome to the Easy Dizit Podcast, a podcast dedicated to Disney travel planning and entertainment, and we do that through the lens of mindfulness and behavioral science, as well as a little bit of humor. I try anyway. This episode, uh, we're going to talk about uh, some touring tips on how to tour the Disney uh, World Parks, and then we are going to talk to Catherine, a Disney travel planner, about some dining options in Disneyland. And I have with me here, for the news and trivia segment, Autumn. Hi, Autumn. Hi. How is everybody doing? Everyone's great. They told me just before you got here. (laughs) That's wonderful. That's wonderful. (laughs) For those of you that might just be tuning in to this episode, one, we're really lucky to have you here. Thank you. Um, And two, I am Justin's uh, wife, partner. Mm -hmm. And uh, Disney pal. And Disney pal, yeah. <laughs> and uh, newish Disney enthusiast. I yes. can add that. Yeah. A burgeoning, is that the right word? Burgeoning Disney enthusiast? Blossoming? Blossoming, I Blossoming. Like. You can say burgeoning, too. Let's go with blossom. It's okay. more floral. It's floral. I it like fits floral. You. It fits you. All right, so let's stop doing that and let's get into the news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, the way we do news here on the Easy Dizit podcast is highly suspect headlines, in which I read some headlines to Autumn, and she has to tell me if it's legit or if it's fake news. No points are awarded. Autumn does keep track, though. She's very competitive. <laughs> Always. <laughs> she cheats. <laughs> All right. I don't cheat. So, new Raymond-themed Bayou restaurant announced in New Orleans Square, Disneyland. Oh, see, this is tough because it's like playing at what I would love to have happen. This is... He's playing to my emotions and he knows it. <laughs> I know they were doing a ride in Disney World. And, and in Disneyland, Splash Mountain. They are... Oh, so they were doing it in both places. Now, Disney World does not have a New Orleans Square. Very true. You're getting good with this Disney stuff. All right, I'm going to say yes, partly because I wanted it to be true, but also I think it's feasible. All right, so here's the thing. Oh, no. It's not true. No! <laughs> it's not true, but there's a big but here, and I think it's going to make you happy. So there there are scrims up in New Orleans uh, Square. There are scrims up, and a scrim is like a tarp to cover construction. Yes. So there are scrims up. Uh, they went up like a week ago. They're on the scrims, there are posters advertising like they're kind of themed to the area, and and uh, they're advertising like musicians and beignets. Uh, a few months ago, back in May, there was like a poster put up that was kind of hinting at a Princess in the Frog experience over there. A little sign that said uh, like, set a table, set a stage, dress the part, start a rage, with like green and yellow. So it's probably gonna be something Princess in the Frog going there. And they just haven't announced it. I feel like yeah, they it's a secret. Announce well, it's a secret early. right now. It's oh. a secret. Yeah, but they're kind of trying to build a little bit of antis- you know, excitement and anticipation. They want all the Disney fans like us to start buzzing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They want people to talk about it on oh, podcast. Yeah, I was so excited. I was like, I could go false, but I'm like, no, no, that's feasible. It could be, and, yeah. and it makes sense. Like the whole movie and the theme, and then yeah. New Orleans Square. Like it would be great. I don't know. I think it would just be like you have everything there. You have everything. It makes sense. And, um, and I mean, as far as being Raymond, he'll probably be there, but I think it'll probably be. It should be Tiana's place. Tiana's place. place? And it should just be so Tiana's place. And elegant yeah. and again matches with the movie, but I think Raymond, I mean, I think we're seeing Raymond in. Her and her daddy's dreams come true, man. Like, yeah. we, that's what Disney's all about, right? And she worked like, hard. Sorry, that's the best story. That's the best dream to make come true. It is. And the most Great. realistic. All right, are you ready for the next news item? I'm ready. Don't get my hopes up with this one. All right, so this one we talked about a little bit already, but I didn't give you the full headline. So here it is. 
Disney announces sample pricing for the Galactic Star Cruiser experience, and it's surprisingly affordable. That's not true. It's surprisingly <laughs> affordable. You don't even want to think about that? Uh, no, it's not surprising. Am I supposed to guess the yeah, is that price? Yeah, is that a true? No, I just is that a true headline? It's surprisingly affordable? No, that's not a true headline. <laughs> Are you sure you don't want to think about that? No. <laughs> I don't know. Like, even if you make $300,000 a year, so I think the average American household makes like fifty or 55000 so that's... Mm-hmm six times that yeah. um i still think disney prices are still going to be like yeah okay that's right that's not cheap i still don't even think you're it's gonna for say people that it's with disposable so, income whether they're very yeah. wealthy or they just yeah have extra money through saving or don't have kids or yeah whatever yeah. and enjoy i also want to say if you're listening you make three hundred thousand dollars a year first of all awesome way to go uh way to go and enjoy disney but it's just like it, it's to say that that is a decent amount of money compared to at least most americans and, and i think for that would you would still be like Oh, okay. That's still a decent. Yeah. <laughs> that's still a decent chunk for a vacation. All right. So, do you want to take a guess at the price? Uh, for say, for two people, it's a, so. Here's the thing. It's not a hotel. Uh, a lot of people are talking about the prices like it's a hotel. This is not a hotel. It's it, there's nothing that you can really compare it to that I'm aware of. It's an experience. It's basically your live action role playing with professionals for two days or two and a half days. So it's two nights, three day itinerary. Right, and the sample pricing they gave is like for off-peak time in the middle of the week. So, what would you guess it would cost for two people for two nights, off-peak time, three days, and this is like this is when they say immersive. This isn't like you're just going on a well-themed ride. You're in a story. This is you're in a story, and you and you have and you play some role in changing the story. That's I have goosebumps uh, thinking about that. So, for how much would you pay for those goosebumps? Um. Okay, so for two people, cheapest time, I'm going to say that's going to be $8,000. $8, All right. Eight to $9,000. That's actually, that's higher than what it costs. So for oh. two guests, it's $4,800. Oh, oh, okay. I really, so I think. That comes up to $1,200 a night. Still pricey. So it was, okay. Well, I was thinking about like for, like the, the, the one to two top tier, which yes. could be about that a night, but I still thought because of the immersive, that's just yeah. like a nice hotel. If you get a suite at like the Grand Floridian, that's a lot. What you're getting here for this price, this is the standard cabin. It's more like cruise ship size, you know, I think is what, maybe not like fully that small. Right. But this you're is a small, small room. room. But yeah. you're getting the whole experience just like it. They will is. also have suites though too as well, but they don't have prices released for that yet. So those will probably be $8,000. So if you want to put four people in a room though, yes. then um, the price comes to $6,000. So okay. about seven fifty dollars each. Okay, that's so a, that's more, I guess. I, I think I was still thinking about four to I'm five sorry, people. I'm sorry, seven fifty a night. Yeah, so it'd be fifteen hundred dollars each for the. And I mean, that's okay. still we. You could like save for that. Like, that's it's still pretty high. That might be too high for a lot of people to even like conceivably save. If you save a I mean, hundred bucks a month, which is a lot, that's thirteen months. Uh, wow, Justin, that's fifteen months. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> um, well, it, right. That's just that experience. Does that come with food? Yes, it comes with food. So, and I mean, watch the videos, people. I guess it's, if you went, like that's your that's everything. Like you don't you, you might not be able to or want to do anything else but just like that yeah, that's food that's, that's admission okay. to the park that you'll go to i'm pretty sure it includes because yeah. you go on like if you look at the itineraries online you go on a excursion to batu that's included in there i they say something about racing droids i wonder if they also give you one of those droids to build should be included i mean that's a really high price so yeah but that might be an add-on feature as well the food looks really it looks wacky it looks wacky so 
but that's what I want. If I'm paying that crazy money, I want to feel like I'm on a planet, another planet. I want complete. And so, side, side. I'm gonna, I'm Go gonna take off on a side note. Um, my favorite park is Animal Kingdom, and really simply, and I talked to Justin a lot about this, and he was right, was that the theming in Animal Kingdom is very different from some of the the other parks, maybe a little bit close to Epcot, and that. Um, the point is to really take you somewhere else. Whereas mm-hmm. like the other parks like Magic Kingdom isn't necessarily to like make you feel like you're in another world, but to have like themed, I forget, J- Justin, you describe it really well. How so, would you? So I would say like the Animal the Kingdom theming is transportative, but it's like realistic transportative. Yes. Like you're going to Africa or you're going to this real planet of Pandora. Whereas maybe like Magic Kingdom is we're going to take you into this magical story. And, and, and we're going to kind of bend reality a little bit. And I think maybe how that, that applies here to Star Wars is Star Wars, while it is like a fantasy, it's also, it adheres to like... Um, Realness. Yeah. There's like, a, yeah. it's like a realistic, futuristic fairy tale in that they don't say, well, no, there is magic. No, I'm wrong. There's magic. The there's Force. M- They're all space there's wizards. There's magic, right? But, <laughs> but, like, but so is Pandora, right? But when you're in Pandora, I mean, you are like... You are like in, like yeah. there's no outside world to it. Yeah. And so I guess, anyway, I say that to say for someone like me, I would love to, to do this because that's that's what's worth, I think, the experience and the money is okay. really. So, Autumn, tell me if you would do this and if you would do it, why would you do this? Oh, I, I just, the, the feeling of being. Uh, so you would do it? Would you, would you pay the money? Out of this world. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I'd have to do, we'd have to do, think about it a lot and do a lot of planning. Cause like you mentioned, like, I'm trying to get you to commit yeah, right now on the it, podcast. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, I would do that. I think with, with me and All right. so I, we'll look, is a lot of money. Yeah. Well, so we'll look into the 401k, see what the cash out penalty <laughs> is. <laughs> That's a lot of money. And, and I, you know, I hope that maybe there's ways that they can, and, and maybe at first they need to make money because I'm yeah. sure this is going to be expensive and never, yeah. um, I still put need to make money in quotations so that you can yeah. see Yeah, well, it. they do. They're a corporation. They have to make money for they their do. shareholders, they like, do. by law. But, um, but I do hope because it is, I, again, I, I, you know, I think that experience is still going to be out it's of reach got, for yeah. most families. Yeah. Again. The average American family gross fifty thousand dollars a year. They yeah. cannot afford it. So that. we're gonna go ahead and drop ten percent of our income on a cruise on no, you, you know can't. a two day experience. No. Yeah, hundred dollars a month. That's like, I mean that's a, that's a lot of food and that's no for one person, but for a family of four, that's six grand. If you make sixty yeah. a year, that's ten percent before taxes. Yeah, you're supposed to put ten percent of your income in like your yeah. house, <laughs> no. right? Would, like that's that's a lot of money. Nope. Okay, let's uh, let's move on to our next news item. You ready for this next news one? Ready. All right, it's more Hall of Presidents news. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So Hall of the Presidents update is completed. Remember last time we were saying that they were putting the finishing touching yes, on? Yes, I know what Biden. it is. All right, Hall of Presidents update completed. Trump moved to the back next to Andrew Jackson. So he's moved. Are they to normally the... in order? Hmm. They moved him towards the back. He's like in the back next to Andrew Jackson. Right, but I'm thinking of the Hall of Presidents, which I've still only seen once. If they're stand, if they are in like order, like chronological order, I don't think they are. They're not. No, oh. I think Washington's like up front. That's what I was thinking. I know. Yeah, the heavy hitters are up because front. they had like Lincoln and Obama towards mm-hmm. the front. I'm like that's mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah, no, they totally moved him to the back. So that's you saying that's legit? I think that's true. That is legit. 
They put him right next to Andrew Jackson. Two is, out of three, guys! Which is kind of fitting for a couple different reasons. Oh, um, yeah. I can be. <laughs> he's not dissimilar to Andrew Jackson, but honestly, he loves Andrew Jackson. He had a picture of Andrew Jackson in the Oval Office. So I think Trump's happy, and then I'm happy. And I think <laughs> some people at Disney had a few laughs, I hope. Maybe. I mean, they couldn't move Andrew Jackson either, though. So if they're going to put him next to his buddy, AJ, yeah, you got to sit in the back. I, Trump like, I was talking to Justin about this. I want to know the Imagineers that work on those... You want to get their numbers? I just want to know who they are. And also, Joe Rohde, if you happen to be listening to this, I would love to You have a new admirer who will be watching behind the attractions, and you're all about the Rohde. I just want to chat with you. (laughs) That ties up the news. It means it's time for... A Stumps J. So, uh, this is uh, one of my favorite parts of this podcast, and I have found <laughs> a large that? part of, because A stumps J. So, I, A, Autumn, have found a lot of different, just fun, unusual, strange facts about all things Disney World, Disneyland, Orlando, and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and I basically uh, asked Justin about them and tested his, his knowledge. Um Last time he did pretty good. Let's not talk about how I do. Let's, you know. Yeah. He's learning some things, which is good. I'm glad. I'm glad. He knows a lot, but there's always room to learn more. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So, this first one, there's a two-parter to this. It's one question. Okay. Where is there a time capsule buried in Disneyland? In Disneyland. Um, So, I told you the place. Where is it buried in Disneyland? At the hub. What is the hub? It's like in front of the castle? Yes! Yeah. In front of Sleeping Beauty's castle. Okay. okay, part two. When is this time capsule to be opened? What year or what date? Oh, I'm going to say. This kind well, of when it, it, opened, it opened in 56. I'm going to say 2056. No, but you what? are close. What is it? Okay. Uh, 2045, July 17th. Oh. It opened uh, July 17th, 1995, and they're going to open it July 17th, 2045. Oh, 50 years 50th. from when they put the yes. capsule. So they didn't put the capsule down until 95. Yes, which was during the 40th anniversary. Okay. Yep. Someone fact check me on that 1956 number. I want to know if that's the year <laughs> Disneyland opened. Email easydizitpodcast at gmail.com. I hope somebody out here is listening and knows the answer to this because this is a really interesting. Re- there were some that I was surprised about. Okay. In 1946, Disney released a 10-minute animated movie titled what? This is another two-partner. All right. So 10 minutes, 1946. Uh, You're going to have to give me more than that. Okay. Um, Yeah. There's only 10 minutes. This was a a 10-minute animated movie that has to do with a, a biological process. Oh. Oh, okay. So... It was animated, though. Yes. Okay, because I know he would. He did do some um, nature documentaries as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, Ten-minute biological process. All right, let's talk about biological processes. There's a lot of them. Um, and then what was popular in 1946? You might be surprised that this was this. Uh, you, Is it sex? Be... No, but you're okay. close. I mean, it's it's because that would related me. to sex. It's related to sex. I mean, part of um... mating rituals. Pregnancy happens because of this. I now I'm very confused. <laughs> Dating? Pre- no, how do? No, no. Like right, think biologically. Like what is the thing that happens 
so that pregnancy occurs. Sexual pregnancy. reproduction. Yes, but more specific. How specific do you want me to get? <laughs> because this is a family podcast. Sexual reproduction. Listen, fa- we should yes, be talking about sex. That's, no, but absolutely. But how specific? <laughs> like, because there's some things. Okay. What's a system or a cycle? There's a hint that has to happen in order for a person to become pregnant. I just give you a big hint. I used a word there. Cycle. The men the, the menstrual cycle? The menstrual cycle. Oh, In nineteen forty six, Disney released a ten minute animated <laughs> movie titled The Story of Menstruation. And wait, who was in it? This was Disney. They okay. just aired it. Okay. Um any idea what audience this was shared with? I'm the school age kids. Yeah. Yep, during health ed classes. This was showed in 1946 to to 105 million American students during their health ed classes. Oh, all right. I want to see, I found the info, and I didn't get a chance to see if I could see the clip. Um, But it was interesting. There's a few, like, interesting ones kind of similar to that that I was like, oh, okay. That's cool. So, So, like, yeah, informational, educational, that's always been a Disney thing. The natural cycle. You should know about that, right? And who's better to teach it than Minnie? Who did some? Was there a particular character? No, it didn't say. It looks like... They probably kept Disney IP away from that. Yeah, it it doesn't. It didn't seem like it was an iconic character. All right, everybody. You ready for one more Ace Dumps J? Um, they said yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think this is... We'll see how he does with this. When it first opened, the Penny Arcade mm. at Disneyland mm. featured what and what? Um, games <laughs> and prizes. Maybe. <laughs> Any other guesses? When it first opened, the Penny Arcade at Disneyland, I'll tell you, these are two not very child-friendly things. Okay, guns, and there was like a BB gun. Is gun one of them? Gun and ammo. Is gun one of them? Yeah, no, you're right. Gun so is So when one it of first them. opened, the Penny Arcade at Disneyland featured .22 caliber rifles and real bullets. Wow. Yep. They were not messing around. They were not messing around. 22. I'll tell you some like more about that. Fire, not even it only guns. took Disney one year to realize this was a bad idea, yeah, and they decided idea. to replace the rifles with fake guns. But in uh, when it first opened, there were real rifles and real bullets. Mm. And real liability. Yeah. You, you live, you learn. <laughs> you live, you learn. Even, even the Great Wall, right? All right. Actually, oh, Autumn, I've got one more news item. Guess what? I'm going to Disneyland. <gasps> That's right. We're going to miss him. But um, yeah, you're going to Disneyland. I'm going to Disneyland tomorrow. tomorrow. So we're recording Saturday instead of Sunday. Sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. I'm going to see my buddy in LA, Sean. Yeah. And then I'm going to do a few days in Disneyland. Um, so any special requests on him? Anything? Um, well, I would like him to bring back some something, some piece of something. I don't know, a rock that he finds, a piece of stubble. Something from Disneyland, mm. and also maybe some wait, wait, sand. Wait. Are you encouraging me to vandalize and rob things from Disneyland? <laughs> no, you a want... rock. I don't think. I don't think they'd consider that a rock. I don't think they would consider that. Yeah, um, I don't know. Something, I feel like all the rocks something. in Disneyland are there, like were placed like there. Little pebbles. I don't know. I don't know. Something. <laughs> something you find on the ground, maybe. Okay. Or something cool. Something cool that you see. Yeah, I'm really, I'm excited. And Justin hasn't been out there since he was like a little boy. Yeah, seven years old. So I think it's going to be 
Yeah, I think it's going to yeah. be great for you. I'm excited to get some content for the podcast. I'm excited to get some content for social media. Yeah. Check me out at EasyDizit on Instagram. Also, guess what? Check me out at EasyDizit on TikTok. What? Yes. Turns out I am now Generation Z and I'm on TikTok. <laughs> You won't see me dancing, but I have some, um, I'm going to do, uh, attraction, uh, recaps. Minute long attraction That's cool. Recap. Also, so I'll, I'll give you this. He's not actually Generation Z, but if any of you want to write in or let us know, uh, what generation you think he is, we'll give you something. <laughs> I don't know what yet, but we'll, but we'll give you something. What generation do you think Justin is from? Mm. So, yeah, I'm going to Disneyland, and because I'm going to Disneyland, haven't been there since I'm seven, uh, actually, the interview segment today is with Katherine Hurt. She is a travel planning professional with a specialization in Disney. She does Disneyland, Disney World, Disney Cruises, Adventure by Disney. Uh, she's really great, and she um, sat down with me and gave me some dining tips. So stay tuned for that at the end of the episode. Uh, before we get to that, we're going to do uh, the travel planning segment, which today is actually... Um, some touring tips, my touring tips for uh, touring Disney World. All right, enjoy the show. Thanks, everybody. All right, let's get started with some touring tips. So, I have about five tips, depending on how you count them. The first one, and I think the most important one, is to have a plan in advance. Now, now you're saying, hey, I thought this was the easy dizit podcast, not the, hey, let's have a complicated plan diz cast pod. Well, you would be correct. It is the easy dizit podcast, but Disney is complicated and you have more decisions than a typical vacation. And to me, the way to do it easy is to make those decisions not in a hundred degree Florida park, hungry, and with two toddlers yelling at me. <laughs> I want to make those decisions uh, in a nice, uh, comfortable, air-conditioned room, maybe with some lemonade or an adult beverage. Or maybe I want to make those decisions when um, my kids, if I have kids, are well-fed and not on their seventh hour and eighth mile. And, <laughs> and when my significant other maybe still possesses their will to live or is not mentally drawing up divorce papers. <laughs> I want to make those decisions when I have all my faculties. So I make those decisions ahead, ahead of time. And that's really all having a plan is. Your plan can be as simple or as detailed as you like. Uh, I think you should strive for balance, as in all things in life, right? <laughs> Personally, I probably tilt the balance towards over-planning, but why else would I have a Disney planning podcast if that were not the case? So I like to plan out an exact order of the rides from the beginning to end. Uh, I like to plan and schedule breaks down to the location. Where am I going to take this break? Where am I going to take that break? What's a good shady spot? What's a nice air-conditioned place? I like to schedule choice points. So if we're at this point, uh, we have two options here, or we have three options here. And I also like to schedule times to wing it. So I'm scheduling holes in my schedule <laughs> where I can just turn to whoever's with me and like, 
what are we doing? I'm following you. <laughs> or just, you know, let the, let the breeze take us where it does. Um, so that's me. I'm a planner. I like to plan everything, including nothing. I like to plan the nothing into my plans. <laughs> you don't have to do that, right? You can take it and make it much simpler than that. Uh, super low effort. I think that the super the the lowest effort plan you could probably do um, is just make a list of the must dos in the parks you're you're going to visit. Uh, if you've never been before, talk to people who have gone. Uh, talk to everyone that you're going with. You know, they probably have some thoughts and, and just get a list together. This is this is everything we really want to see. And that's it. Now you got a list. Now um, you know when you get there. YouTube, if you if you if you're okay with spoilers, watch some ride videos. That's another option. You could go to the Disney website, just check out the pictures there. You could go to some other great websites. There are a lot of great websites on the internet where you can research rides and just get an idea of, of what's in store for you. So yeah, that's the simplest plan. Just a list. We're not even talking about order here. We're talking about a checklist, you know? Big Thunder Mountain, check. Splash Mountain, check. Uh, the Tomorrowland Transit Authority, check. Tomorrowland Transit Authority for the second time, check. Tomorrow, land transit authority at night, check. So now you want to take this uh, simple plan one step further. Uh, you can go ahead and research which rides have the longest lines, uh, which are the most popular rides, and sometimes the slowest loading lines. Uh, and when those two com things combine, such as Peter Pan, <laughs> a very popular, very slow loading line, Book your fast passes. If fast passes are still available when this uh, recording airs, it may or may not be. And you might be paying for fast passes by the time you hear this. There's a lot of rumors right now. But if fast passes are available, book your fast passes for those rides with the longest lines. And now, if you want to take this plan and you want to nerd out on it even further, if you want to get uh, to the next level, you can actually. Use a supercomputer to optimize your touring plan. <laughs> I've done it. It's really fun. You should do it if you're a nerd and you like Disney. It's pretty cool. It's uh, touringplans.com uh, from the makers of the unofficial guide. And I should say too, if, if you don't want to nerd out and use the, their supercomputers, you can buy the unofficial guide. Look on the back. They have a lot of great touring plans. These touring plans were written before COVID, uh, before a lot of the changes. They have more updated plans on their website. I'm not getting commission from touringplans.com yet. Maybe in the future, that'd be great because it's a great product and I do recommend it. <laughs> but um, yeah, I wholeheartedly uh, endorse them. I wholeheartedly endorse them. So yeah, you can use their plans in the back of the book or you can go to their website. You can make your own custom plan and then you can optimize it. And what it does, it's actually based on, what is it called, the traveling salesman problem? Basically, where uh, it's, it's this old math problem, and I'll probably butcher this, but where a traveling salesman needs to travel between cities. The, uh, there is a job to be done in each city, or sales to be made in each city, and there's traffic between each city. And the problem is, uh, what is the most optimal route for that salesman? And that's basically what you're doing in the park. You have a series of objectives that take certain amounts of time and how much time they take will change throughout the day. So it's kind of like a really compli complicated scenario that the 
computer scientists over there at touringplans.com figured out and have made it really fun to, to play with. So yeah, I would check that out. I would say that's probably your top level of planning there when you're using the supercomputer. And you know, I encourage you, you can build in your breaks. Uh, it factors in fast passes, build in your meal times. It's all there, it's really cool. And then, hey, let's take it one level further. That's, that's for optimization, right? And that's to maximize the amount of time it rides. But if you want to get silly, or, or if you want to get serious, you think about the people in your party that you're helping plan, right? Hopefully, when you had made that optimized plan, you would have taken their consideration what rides they want to ride. But now, say maybe you have someone new coming with you, or you have someone coming with you, a, a young child, and you can actually start thinking about their the travel plan, the touring plan rather, in terms of a story that you want to create for them. So. Maybe if you have a young child, you start in Fantasyland. Maybe that it's Peter Pan, you know, because it has a long line. That's in Fantasyland. You can walk through the castle. I mean, for a small child, that's a pretty magical moment, walking through a castle and then getting on a flying pirate ship. That'd be a cool way to do it. So, you know, optimize, see as many rides as you can, wait in line for as short a period of time as possible. Those things are awesome, but if you can also weave in a storytelling element, you are touring on a whole new level, my friend. So that's the plan tip. Have a plan. Be simple. It could be complex. It could be whatever you want it to be. So let's let's look at another tip. This uh, you can use with a plan or without a plan. Say you say, Justin, I do not want to plan. I will not plan. Sam, I am. I would say, okay, let's let's do this get there really 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 early <laughs> and you say but Justin my friend I'm on vacation I do not get up really 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 early and I would say to you that's right no one gets up really on vacation really early on vacation that's ridiculous who would do that and you I and and many other people might think that way um, well, I don't think that way, but many people think that way, and those people like to go to Disney World, and that's great. If you get there that early, you're going to walk on to your first ride. Even uh, when Flight of Passage, not long after it opened, you, it, we rope dropped it, we waited less than five minutes for that ride, and then we got on Navi River Adventure, another bigger ride, um, and that was like 10 minutes. Right now, people are there's a lot of people rope dropping Hollywood Studios, and they're talking about getting three major headlining rides done before the park is even officially open. <laughs> so I hope I've sold you on getting there early. Let's talk a, a little bit more about how that will work. Okay, so you've got to get there at least an hour before the park officially opens. So the opening day of the park, I'm sorry, the opening time of the park changes day to day. Uh, it's usually scheduled, but sometimes there's last minute changes. So go ahead and check the day before and see when the park is scheduled to open. Check on their website or if you're already in the park, you can look on that really nifty, uh, magical screen they have with the music playing in the background. Um, and plan to get to the park an hour before. Now, this can vary based on how busy it is. If, if it's not a busy if time of year, it's in the middle of the week, you could probably get away with 45 minutes before. If it's, you know, spring break, the peak of summer, Christmas, I imagine, especially. I've never been at Christmas, but you might want to get there an hour and a half before. 
because before the park is actually officially open, they're going to go ahead and open the gates, the initial gates. And in Magic Kingdom, they're going to let you walk into the main, uh, at least part of the main street area. It'll be different in each park, but they're going to start checking people in, checking their bands or um, ticket media, and having them come inside. You'll then be, you'll wait, basically. So you're saying, oh, Justin, so you want me to wake up um, at, oh, I don't know, six o'clock on my vacation so I can wait to get into a park? That's a great plan, Justin. And now you're shutting off the podcast. <laughs> but seriously, give it a shot because yes, you're going to wait. You could be waiting an extra 45 minutes in the morning, but literally could save you hours in line. These rides that have some, uh, upwards of 120 minute waits, like Flight of Passage, you're walking on. You know, so if you show up at 10 o'clock and you try and ride the same amount of rides, um, you will be in line for hours and hours. That's not to say, you know, that's not fun. And if that's your thing, that's cool too. If you're not going to have a optimized plan, an optimized touring plan, I very much recommend the rope drop. They call it the rope drop, by the way, because there are cast members standing, and I'm not sure if they still hold the rope, but at one point, they held a rope, and they wouldn't actually drop the rope, because long ago, when the rope was dropped, people would run, and if you know the rules of Disney World, run, no running is one of them. So they actually walk backwards slowly, so it's not so much a drop as a, a slow release <laughs> of the public into the park. Um, and it's really fun. And I should say at Magic Kingdom, there's a little rope drop show. When I went to Animal Kingdom many years ago, there was a show there too. They came out in like a safari bus. I don't know if they still do it, but Mickey and Minnie had this whole thing. It was quite cool. No, the last time I went, when we went to Pandora, they didn't have that. But who knows? Maybe it's there, maybe it's not. I'm pretty sure they still do it at the Magic Kingdom. So to get to the parks this early, you can run into a little bit of a hiccup with Disney transportation. So they typically, the buses start running an hour to 45 minutes before park opens. This is variable depending on what resort you're at, depending on the time of the year. Um, you're really leaving it up to Disney to decide when they're gonna send the first bus. If you want to be at the front of Rope Drop, that is at the front of the pack, closest to the rides. So you might say, Justin, it's hot. You woke me up very early. Do you really expect me to be in this park for 12 hours? Well, let's talk about afternoon breaks. It's important to plan your downtime, especially if you're a mixed group. Say you are a marathoner and you're going with your four-year-old and your grandmother and your wife, who's a, say, a decent walker. That's, that's a mixed group. Uh, and you, as the marathoner, might tend to, and especially if you're an excitable, excitable fellow, you might tend to push the rest of the group past their comfort level. So, you know, communication is very important, but planning is also important, too. If, if you're the kind of get up and go, 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 and you're really excited about Disney, it's important to plan the downtime. Uh, this is when I'm going to sit down and eat a pretzel and stare at that castle. Or this is when I'm gonna find a grassy spot, sit with my kid, and just let them run around like a maniac. Or, like I just mentioned, this is the time where we're going back to the hotel 
and we're gonna swim in that pool that I paid a lot of money to have access to if you're staying on uh, the Disney Resort. They have some great pools and they have some really expensive rack rates. So why not head back to the pool, head back to the room, spend some, you woke up, you got there at eight in the morning. You got there at seven in the morning, you earned a pool break. Your kids earned a pool break. Your wife or husband earned a pool break. Um, you just, And because you got there early, you rode possibly more rides than people getting there at 11 a.m. will get to ride in the whole day if they stayed uh, already before they even got there. <laughs> you rode five headliners. Um, so go ahead. Go take a swim. You earned it, kid. Maybe a nap. I'm typically a little too excited at Disney World to take a nap. And I just recently got a, a child. She's one and a half now. She'll probably go to Disney World when she's three. And I'm hoping she's going to take a nap. We, we shall see, though. Even if you get some time in the pool, though, that can be a relaxing get out of the, the go, go, go and hot summer sun. I like it. Uh, whenever I have a trip where I've taken afternoon breaks, it's always a more successful trip. I've had some really miserable trips with some really miserable friends where I pushed too hard and everyone was really excited and we all ran into a wall and hated each other really quick. <laughs> so even if you think you don't need it, give yourself a break. Plan some breaks. And if you don't want to go back to the park, there are a lot of cool places in the world and just, just outside the world uh, where you can relax. There's some cool spots in the different hotels. Maybe that's a show. Places to relax in Disney World. I've definitely seen other shows on the topic. Um, and there's definitely some places where you can find to relax. But you got to plan for it. Okay, so you don't want to do a plan. You said, no, Justin, I will not put pen to paper about a vacation. No, thank you, sir. And no, I will not be getting up at 6.30 a.m., sir. No. And you're saying, I might take a break. No, I could take a break. Uh, but you're gonna need something else. <laughs> so here's here's something for you. You don't want a plan. You don't want an algorithm. Or uh, you don't want a complex algorithm, I should say. You don't want to use a supercomputer. Well, use a heuristic. And you say, hmm, that sounds like fun. I'd love to use a heuristic. Tell me more. Well, a heuristic, um, it simplifies decision-making. It is an algorithm of sorts, but it's a suboptimal algorithm. You're not trying to optimize uh, the amount of rides that you're going to see so much, um, and you're not going to completely minimize your wait time in, in lines. You hopefully will make reductions and improvements in those areas, but what you're really doing is you're trying to simplify the decision-making. So it's a plan, a suboptimal plan, but to improve outcomes. That's what a heuristic is. And have I got the heuristic for you? This is something that Disney fans love to talk about, and it's simply this. <clears throat> Go left. Got it? Right? Okay, let me say it again. Ready? So, the heuristic is go left. So, that means when given the opportunity between a left and a right, you choose left. So, if you're walking down Main Street and you get to the end, going left, you're going to Adventureland. Congratulations, you made the decision. Um, you get out of the Tiki Room. Uh, should you go left or right? Well, you're going left. And I guess you're getting a Dole Whip or riding uh, Aladdin's 
flying carpets. Um, get, you're not going to the Jungle Cruise, because that's uh, to the right. Uh, maybe you'll get there eventually, uh, but <laughs> you're going to go ahead and keep taking a left. Um, so you could take this as extreme uh, as you want. I wouldn't go crazy with it, because I feel like you just go in circles. And that can't be too fun. But maybe you go left when you don't know which way to go, right? Um, and this is based on the idea that uh, humans, given the choice between a left and a right, will typically go right. So we're saying, uh, if they're going to zig, we're going to zag. When they go right, we go left. Uh, this is good for cues. Uh, when you have a choice, like, uh, what would it be, Muppets 3D? When you're loading into that room, go all the way to the left. Um, when you're picking a line at quick service, well, it's all mobile ordering now, but if lines ever come back at quick service, go all the way to the left. Will the line all the way to the left always be the shortest? No, but will you have saved 15 seconds of mental energy trying to figure it out? Yes. And that's the key to the heuristic. It's more about making the decision making easier. Just go left. Just go left. Uh, is there data to support this? Possibly. I haven't looked for it. I just tend, I'd prefer to believe that there is data to support this. <laughs> so yes, I am a scientist, but sometimes uh, I take my scientist cap off and I say, hmm, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> Which brings me to the best thing about the go with go left heuristic. It's fun. It becomes a game. Uh, just go left. Uh, try it next time. Uh, even if you are doing a plan, when you do those choice points or when you do that time to wing it, uh, just go left. Give it a shot. Go left. Now we've talked for quite some time now about uh, these different scheduling tips. And to be honest, I could talk a lot more about it. <laughs> this is probably the thing I'm most interested about in Disney World. I know like the rides are great. The rides are good. The rides are, no, the rides are great. They're not the most thrilling rides. The rides are very, very good. And the theming is beautiful and it's magical and it's awesome. But my personal preference is the planning. I like it. But given that, uh, I know that about myself, uh, there's something I want to share with you. And that's some pitfalls to avoid with um, some of this planning. So, and it's going to sound an awful lot like I'm talking to myself here, and maybe I am. <laughs> Don't get obsessed with the schedule while you're there. Okay? Your touring plan is preparation. It is not the experience. Let's put that into perspective. So no one has ever said, wow, that was the best trip. We stuck exactly to the itinerary. I had Tiki Room for 9.45. I was there 9.46. Can't believe it. All the way till 7 p.m. to the minute. Do you remember how exactly we stuck to that itinerary? No one says that. No one has ever once said that. <laughs> now, some people might say, wow, that was great. We rode lots of rides we, that we really wanted to ride in, and we didn't wait long in many lines. That was cool. Um, and I'd say that's some people, some people that would be great for. But everyone, everyone that goes to Disney, what they talk about and what they really remember is the most magic thing that happened, was the coolest experience they had. And nine out of 10 times, 
those aren't the rides. And it's definitely not the schedule. <laughs> it's something that happened in between the rides. It's, it's a moment where they watched their child experience something. Uh, it's, it's catching one of those new cavalcades. Or it's the fireworks show at the end of the night. It's the conversation that they had with the bus driver, honestly, honestly. So what I'm trying to say is the most important thing, sometimes the most important part of your vacation, your Disney vacation, you actually can't plan. So if you are so obsessed with your schedule, so obsessed with your awesome, perfect plan that you spend months optimizing with supercomputers and heuristics and <laughs> travel guides, you've spent all that time, you might actually miss some of the most magic things that could happen. So go ahead and plan in that downtime or drop the plan and only go left, but don't get stuck on your plan. A plan is a tool to have fun, but fun is the end goal. So when it comes to something, when you come to a question and it's, uh, should I stick to the plan or should I do this? The question is, which one's more fun? Is it going to be more fun to sit right here and have this conversation with this guy from Jersey? <laughs> or is it going to be more fun to get your fast pass uh, on Space Mountain? Now, maybe it's the fast pass this time. Uh, is it going to be more fun to watch your six-year-old chase that trail of bubbles? Or more fun to make it to Pirates before it's time to go? You know, you might want to pick the bubbles. I don't know. Ask your five-year-old. <laughs> um, and to this end, I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, flexibility. We're going to be flexible, right? Well, easy enough to say, yes, I'll just be flexible. Some of us, myself included, might have difficulties with flexibility. Um, I think a lot of people do. And I have a little technique here. It's not my technique. It is a... Um, evidence-based uh, technique called mental contrasting with implementation intentions. Big long name. Are you sure this is a Disney podcast? I'm pretty sure this is a Disney podcast. So there's an easy four steps to it, okay? Um, and I think we can use this technique to make sure we're flexible at Disney World or Disneyland or Universal Studios or any other place where we put a lot of work and effort into planning. First step, decide which goal you want to achieve. So I don't know about y'all, but my goal at Disney World is to have fun. <laughs> all the planning, all the money, all the time, all the effort, it's, it's to have fun. And for me, sometimes planning itself is fun, but the motivation for the plan really is to have the people I go with have fun. So it's for myself and the people I love to have a lot of fun. Okay, so we're now we're going to imagine what it would feel like to achieve that goal. So go ahead and let yourself imagine the perfect Disney trip where you're just running into those magic moments left and right. The best pretzel you ever had. Your kid meets Goofy all by himself for like two minutes out of his mind happy. No other kids to compete with. Just him and Goofy having a good time. You find the perfect spot by accident for fireworks that no one else had taken already. 
you walk right on to a ride that you've never been on before, uh, you hadn't planned to go on, and it was a laugh riot. You loved it. You're going to do it every time from now on. Sounds pretty good, right? These, these are all great outcomes. Now I want you to imagine the obstacles that might prevent you from achieving that goal. So this might be, I'm walking by something that has no line that I've never been on before, but I have something on my plan. Better stick to the plan. <laughs> this might be my daughter asking me to stop for a Mickey ice cream. Uh, have that $8 for snacks um, allotted, uh, but I, I'm getting towards the end of my fast pass window and I know she's not going to be able to walk and eat an ice cream sandwich <laughs> and we're going to miss the fast pass window. And I say, nope, let's go kid. So go ahead and imagine um, what you think might be an obstacle towards your flexibility. All right, now we do the implementation intention part. And this is an if-then plan. So we have to think, what will I do when presented with one of these obstacles? A possible if-then plan I might use is, if someone in my party requests a deviation from the schedule, I will stop and wait one minute. I will stop moving for one minute to entertain that request. You might say, uh, you could just say, if someone requests a deviation from my schedule, I will grant it immediately. That's a good one too. Just say yes to everything. So you have this great plan, but if everyone wants to do something else, you just say yes. That would be too much for me. <laughs> but that's a possibility. You could do that. What's another implementation intention we could use? Hmm. How about this one? If I think of something else, I'll do it. If I think of something else off plan, I'll do it. It's pretty good. Uh, if, ooh, here's one. If someone in my party makes a request off plan, we'll put it to vote. There we go, we'll be all democratic about it. So we have those if-then plans. We've imagined those obstacles, and now we know. When we're put in that situation, we have a plan. We have a plan to be flexible. Wow. We did it. Well, I hope that was helpful to you. Uh, you can definitely learn more about this on the internet. Uh, go ahead and uh, check out Mental Contrasting with Implementation Intentions. You'll find some great resources just by Googling that. Some of it is research articles, but you'll also find some web page to help you use this. And you can use this, uh, use this in education to help people get motivated for goals and to set goals. And I honestly, I think flexibility if you are a, a planner, flexibility is important and it's a good goal. So those are just a few of my favorite tips for touring at Walt Disney World. Um, I hope to do more of these. I think I could talk about these things for hours. I'm not sure that people would want to listen to it for hours, but I could definitely talk about it for hours. Um, I'd like to revisit these as uh, things in Disney World change all the time. So this is one that could get updated again and again. So I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoy the next iteration of this. And I hope you have a super fun, super well-planned, 
and super flexible touring experience the next time you visit Disney World. Welcome to Justin Needs Help, a segment where I reach out to people in the know when I don't know, so I will know. You know? Today, I need help with Disney dining. I haven't been to Disneyland since I was seven, and I distinctly remember we packed peanut butter sandwiches. I've booked a three-day trip for the beginning of August, and I'm pretty clueless. So I reached out on the internet, and Catherine was kind enough to come on and offer some advice. Hi, Catherine. Thank you so much. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, maybe to start, maybe just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm Catherine, and I have been going to Disneyland probably once or twice a year for my whole life. Disneyland is definitely the park that I know the most about of. I'm also a travel agent. I've been doing that for about three years. Do you like it? Yeah, it's really fun. It looks fun. It seems fun. Um, all right, so you've been going once or twice a year for a while now, so you've probably had some decent food at Disneyland. Yes, I I always say food is about half the experience at Disney. <laughs> so uh, for sit-downs, what would you say? Do you have one favorite, or I hate to put you on the spot with like saying one, but what's the first that comes to mind maybe for sit-downs? Right now, my favorite is Lamplight Lounge. Oh, where's that? That's a Pixar Pier, or used to be Paradise Pier. It's so it's where the Ariel's Grotto restaurant used to be. It's that building, and you can see the whole pier from the bottom. And it's supposed to be like animator themed, so the animator lounge. So they have concept art everywhere, and your coasters are all rough sketches of different characters. That sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty cool. Um, how is the food? really good so it's good food yeah we get potato skins are usually really really good and then they also have the lobster nachos there which is a whole big thing yes i'm a big fan of nachos and i'm a big fan of lobster so i've never had the two together but it's good <laughs> so for quick service what would you say would be your favorite quick service i really like at california adventure um flows cafe they have breakfast and their breakfasts there are so good they have a french brioche toast and then on disneyland probably bengal barbecue okay uh and, and is that like tradi traditional barbecue fare it's it's more asian um it's right across from jungle cruise and they have skewers and rice plates and they also have the bacon and asparagus wrapped skewer oh my goodness yes this sounds good <laughs> so this might be something yeah i might have to check that out uh, like asian style barbecue or barbecue with an asian influence that sounds fantastic yeah it's great so I've heard and I've seen a lot of videos and, um, you know, just watching other content that uh, snacks are a big deal at Disneyland and maybe the snacks at Disneyland are better than the snacks at Disney World. Uh, is there something that sticks out in your mind? Um, as far as if we're going to compare Disney World, we don't know why, but the pretzels at Disneyland are superior. It makes the pretzels at Disney World <laughs> taste disgusting. <laughs> really? I don't know why. All right. I'm putting that on my list. Get a pretzel. <laughs> 
and um, Tropical Hideaway is sort of the the new hub for Dole Whip. Okay. And they have a lot of great things. They also have a lot of great on the go snacks that you can eat while you're walking around. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. Maybe. How far is that from uh, a pretzel? Is there a pretzel near Tropical Hideaway? Did you say Tropical? Yeah, Tropical Hideaway, it's really close to Bengal Barbecue. It's in that okay. Jungle Cruise area. So I would say the nearest pretzel is probably going to be toward the castle. All right. So it, where I'm, um, I'm from Rhode Island originally, and we have Dell's Frozen Lemonade in Rhode Island. And the traditional way to eat it is with a, uh, with a, a pretzel, like a hard pretzel. So I'm thinking maybe uh, if I were to get a fresh, delicious Disneyland pretzel and have it with a Dole Whip, I could kind of, Ooh. yeah, maybe the Disneyland version of the Rhode Island classic. Oh yeah, I need to try that, sounds good. So when I was seven and we went to Disneyland, I this is one of my earliest memories as, a, as myself. We were on the Pirates of the Caribbean ride and I looked off, I imagined to the right, could have been the left, but I looked off and I saw this scene and uh, tables and lights and it was dimly lit. And I asked my aunt, I said, is that real? Or is that, you know, part of the ride? She said, it's real. And I I was just like, what? To me, that was the the epitome of fancy dining, being inside a ride. And I said, can we eat there? She said, no way. It's probably very, very expensive. We have peanut butter sandwiches. (laughs) So I booked, I did book that. And I heard it was hard to get. So I, I, I booked that 60 days out. Um, and, but I was looking at the prices and it looks like I'm getting a ham sandwich and I'm just wondering, have you, have you been there and is the $30 ham sandwich worth it? Yes. I've been there multiple times. First of all, ask for a water table Okay. because it's not even worth going without a water table. Okay. Noted. Um, and then usually when I go, I do get the Monte Cristo. Mm-hmm. Which before was only available for lunch. It looks like it's dinner and lunch now. The best way to do it is to split it between four people. Mm. Because each, they cut it into four slices and each slice is giant. Really? Oh, it's a big sandwich. It's giant, yeah. Okay. So we usually share it between four people and we tell them that and they'll bring like each person their own little dipping sauce and everything. That. I'm gonna have to find three friends. <laughs> I might be, <laughs> I might be solo. Is that, is it, is it too much sandwich for one person? Do you think? For me, yes. Yeah. I mean, I've split it with one other person before, and I don't think we finished. Got it. All right. Well. Now you can go to Cafe Orleans, and it's nine dollars cheaper. Really? Yeah. So I could go to Cafe Orleans, maybe get it, maybe get it to go, and eat it on the Pirate's Ride itself. Now that's fancy. I mean, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Might might be violating a rule there. (laughs) I mean, is there a rule that you can't eat during a ride? I'll let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Great, no, thank you for that. Okay, that's good to know. That's good to know. I feel a lot better about paying 30 or $21 for a sandwich if I know four people could split it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so do you have any other suggestions for fun dining experiences? So I like, I like good food. I like to cook myself. And so I, when I go to a restaurant, it's not usually for like the quality or like the food, you know, like I do want to eat good food, but I, when I pay for a restaurant, I want something different that I can't get at home. 
Do you have any ideas? Fun stuff. Yeah, I have a couple. So for really fancy, if you want to feel like the most fancy person ever, go to Carthay Circle. Carthay Circle. It's probably the most expensive food, but it's the inside of it. I mean, I think the food's good, but the inside of the restaurant's really cute. It's all Carthay Circle theater themed, okay. and they have a lot of Snow White references and film references. That sounds um, cool. And then for fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely go to Trader Sam's, which is at the Disneyland Hotel. Yes. I've heard of this. It's a tiki bar, right? Yes. It's like the, the Grog Grotto that they have at Disney World. Okay. And um, yeah, why do you like Trader Sam's? What makes that fun? It's just an experience. I've also never been to a bar before where we were there for two hours and the table next to us had already been there and was still going by the time we left. Like, they were probably, in the time we sat there, had like 10 drinks each. Alright, I'm gonna have to definitely check that place out. My um, third day is gonna be dedicated to kind of looking at and, you know, touring the resorts and and going to um, a couple restaurants. So I'm definitely gonna check out Trader Sam's. Do I need a reservation for Trader Sam's? No. So there's actually two parts of it. There's an outside part, mm-hmm. which is fine if you want the food, but you don't get any of the cool special. When, when you order drinks, they do special effects and they yell at you and spray water on you and stuff. Got it. So you have to be inside to do that. And inside, you basically walk in and you stalk people to leave their table. <laughs> All right. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> It's easier, I think, with one person than a bigger group. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Thank you for that. So uh, so outside of dining, maybe, or dining as well, do you have any uh, other suggestions you might make to someone who's uh, visiting Disneyland for the first time as an adult? Oh, man. So many things. <laughs> um, I think as far as visiting as an adult, just walking around and looking at things, going into different stores. Because I know as like a teenager and a kid, I was into the rides, just rides, ride the rides. And now that I'm older, like I could probably go all day and not ride a ride. I just love going into the different shops. They have um, this one shop on Main Street called Disney Anna, and it's all art. You can buy different prints and usually there's an artist in there that's drawing. Oh, really? That's and cool. at I really like art. Um, at California Adventure, they have off the page it's like a big, big building. You walk in, it's like the coolest building. They have probably a hundred TV screens just all in a circle that do like panoramic videos, uh, and that's where you can do Turtle Talk with Crush. And then they usually have the Anna and Elsa meet and greet, which is probably not a thing right now. And then they also have Animation Academy. And you go in and a Disney artist comes out and they do a character and everyone draws along with them. Oh, that's fun. And they do that like every 30 minutes. Oh, that's that sounds great. I, I did something similar when um, Rafiki's Planet Watch and Animal Kingdom reopened. They reopened with uh, something like that. And that was yeah. so much fun. And it was cool. You get like a little souvenir basically to take with you. Yeah. And they also have a gift shop sort of connected to that area that's the same sort of thing they have art prints and different art books and usually someone in there drawing that thank you for that 
Um, actually, I have one more question. So, DC in DCA, the Marvel um, uh, Avengers Campus, that's what it is, just opened up. Uh, are you excited about some of the things that are going on there? Oh, yes. I have been waiting for this <laughs> uh, forever. Um, I would say the only thing I'm not excited about is Web Slainers, which is probably a weird thing to say. But from the vibe that I've got, it's very Midway Mania. Yes. It's and like a, yeah. I don't like Midway Mania. I don't yeah. like three D based rides very much. They just kinda yeah. make me sick. Yeah. So I'll ride it, but it's probably not gonna be the best ride to me. Yeah, no, I'm kind of in this like if I don't get the boarding pass for that, I'll be sad, but I won't be like as sad as if I don't get a boarding pass for Rise of the Resistance. Oh yeah, no, Rise, definitely way better. Great. Well, thank you so much. So you mentioned earlier you were a travel planner. Where can our listeners learn more about you and um, maybe your travel planning services? So I have an Instagram. It's katherinehurt.magicvacations and also a Facebook, which is Disney by Cat. And I post pictures. I always post when there's a new deal out and if any news happens like COVID updates or Heart closures. I post all of that there too. Oh, excellent! I will make sure that goes in the show notes. Um, do you? What do you do? You book um, Disneyland. Do you book Disney World as well? Yeah. So basically, I book everything, even if it's not Disney. Great. Um, but I specialize in Disney and theme parks. So Universal, Disney, cruises, that kind of bubble. Awesome. All right. Well. Anyone listening, I would definitely recommend reaching out to Catherine. She's been a great help to me. I'm sure she'll be a great help to you. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. I hope you get something out of those touring tips, and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Katherine Hurt, uh, Disney Travel Planner. One way you can support the show is by supporting the people that support me. So Katherine came on, like I said, and, and really helped me out here, helped me make some great content for you to listen to, and honestly helped me plan my Disneyland trip. It means a lot to me that she came on my show. This is a brand new podcast, and she gave me a lot of great tips. Uh, I think she's, she proved herself as an informative and helpful person, and I'm sure she would do a great job helping you plan your next Disney trip. So check out Catherine. Links are in the show notes. All right, until next time, ease it, diz it. <laughs>